to Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I am joined by two guys who have properly washed their hands. What's up, Chuck and Gene? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. I always heard three times and I'm a little agoraphobic. Whoa, that that wasn't even about washing my hands. Hey, this is Chuck Siders. You can find me on Twitter at Chuck Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia, and you can rarely find me outside. <laughs> and this is Gene Zilek. You can find me on Twitter at Producer Gene. And for those seven other people that also had to sit through Patrick Mulcahy's uh, orientation their freshman year, make sure that you never, ever open the inside door of a bathroom with your hand. Use any other way to get that thing open. Wrap your palms in paper towel, and God forbid you go into one of those places that only has a hand dryer. I don't know how you escape. Use your tongue to open that door. <laughs> <laughs> you got built up super immunity, man. Like... Yeah, exactly, exactly. The more exposure you get, the better what... off you are in the long run. What you did during the SARS scare should really inform this. If during SARS you hid in your home and tried to sequester yourself from the world, you know, coronavirus is not going to treat you well. If you said, F it, I'm going to China to make out with random people, then you should be, you know, well prepared for uh, the coronavirus. Oh, do you feel like SARS was a good, uh, like a baseline? Yeah, it is. I mean, it's it's how you, you got it's how you build this exposure. Yeah, some SARS, some bird flu, some swine flu. You know, yeah. get it all. Get it all, Mix man. Mix it all in a Mountain Dew bottle and drink it. <laughs> yeah, man. All right. I like it. Sounds yeah, if you can survive that shit, you can survive anything. All right. Well, hey, let's talk about sports. Woo. And uh, and specifically, let's talk about the Flyers. We love the Flyers. All oh, along, we said that they were our favorite team and they had the best chance to win a, a championship this year. And we were right. Damn straight we, we were right. Well, I can't remember what we said. <laughs> but I think I remember us saying that we felt comfortable with them being a playoff team, right? Yeah, but I think we said like six to eight seed. Hmm, that's I, I, uh, I think I said like third seed in our division with the preview show. And that might fall into that, that realm. I was not thinking legitimately competing for first in the division um and looking like a team to be afraid of you know yeah yeah it's nobody wants to play the flyers right now that's for dang sure and they certainly don't want to play them in a home and home situation hell no hell no that flyers home record has just become more impressive the more they add on to it and they're supplementing it with the road wins as well but this Flyers team is that team nobody wants to play. Anybody in the East, anybody, anybody who's going to make the playoffs in the East, do you think they're like looking forward to playing the Flyers? I think the answer is no. I think everyone wants to avoid them. I mean, the Lightning and, might not care. I don't know. After being swept by Columbus mm-hmm. and the way the Flyers have played them, they're not going to sleep on the Flyers. Yeah. And as a, a Flyers fan... You know, I'm not sleeping on um, I'm not sleeping on Tampa, but it doesn't seem like okay. That's the one we lose. I just look at like in the past couple of weeks, the the Flyers have played a, a bunch of teams twice that mm-hmm. were legitimately 
in a position similar to the Flyers or, or you know somewhere in that range where it's like okay if we have a good if if we if we take care of business against the Flyers we're going to be in great shape yeah it was two or three weeks ago I think we were talking about we weren't even talking about the Rangers because they hadn't you know move themselves into playoff position yet and well they still haven't but we were talking about the Panthers and then Columbus as hey we have six teams in the metro competing for five spots maybe we have the Panthers competing for one of those wild card spots as well we got to really create a little distance so we can feel comfortable taking wild card spot 1 maybe spot 3 in that time, the Rangers have approached the pack. I don't know what the standings are right now, but before the Rangers game today, if we did away with di- divisions, if we did away with conferences, the Metro would send seven of eight teams to the playoffs. But a, a big reason why the Rangers are in the position that they're in is because the Flyers have cratered these other teams. Well, yeah, that that certainly helps. They've Columbus is dead man walking. You know, they... <laughs> And I give them all the credit in the world. This season should have been, you know, they should be like devils part two, but Tortorella has coached them up. They have the Elvis guy with a name I can't pronounce um, playing great goal. They've a ton I love of injuries. Yeah. Fucking a man. Uh, Jerome McGinley, one of his middle names, Elvis. Um, one of his middle names. Yeah. He, he has a like Caribbean background, I believe. And they have a history of like going, okay, here's your first name. Here's your last name. Here's your mother's maiden name. Here's your grandfather's name from this side, yada, yada, yada. And his father just thought Elvis was a common North American name. So he said, oh yeah, we'll, we'll put in Elvis too. Love it. I love that. <laughs> I love that. It's like people think of America and they're like Elvis. Yes. <laughs> What's your child's name? Elvis heart disease reality <laughs> TV. I'm not gonna lie, like, it sounds pretty guys, damn American. When we get to America, there's gonna be a lot of people named Elvis. So you just need to prepare yourself for this. It's a very common name in the States. <laughs> so when you get to that novelty uh you know bike license plate, when they run out of Elvis, <laughs> like you'll know why. That's why you can never find them on the rack, is they're yeah. all sold out. Did right. either of you guys have problems with that growing up? I know you didn't, Dave. Probably not. Gene, yeah. no. did you have trouble with that? Honestly, neither did I. And I could usually find it in the version that I use rarely in my my fully expanded with extra vowels version. <laughs> neither did you, Charles. Actually, yes. Charles was not exceptionally common. Too long. And my family called me Chiz growing up. And then... I was hoping we would never have to talk about this. No, why? I'm not like inviting an in-depth conversation <laughs> of the nickname Chiz. <laughs> but also, you knew some summer content that'd have to come up. It'd have to be like, okay, it's All-Star Week. The Phils are out of it. You know, it's Potadelphia Year 5. Let's go into family nicknames. <laughs> no, yeah, that's true. Okay. Good but point. I, I never had a, a bike license plate. And... I'm trying to parlay it back to the Flyers. Carter probably does. In this day and age, Carter Hart probably could find himself a novelty license plate. And Carter got the start in the road today. 
I was very happy to see this. Me too. I was fully prepared this morning for a Dave rant over uh, Messenger that was something to the effect of, you know, why does uh, Vino hate me so much that he has to keep starting Brian Elliott? I had several drafts of that <laughs> text uh, set and ready to go. Looked really sharp in the first in the first period. He, he had a lot of great saves. Even into the third. Even into the third where the the Rangers got back into the game, but not really. You know, when they were pouring on the pressure, Hart kept it, you know, shut down on even strength. So he had a great game today. And, you know, looking forward, you know, looking forward, I think we had sort of talked about not being so concerned about the wild card now. I'm not concerned about the Flyers making the playoffs. If they were not to now, at this point, it'd be a epic collapse. And the question becomes, how far of a run can this team make? If Carter Hart locks in, they can win the cup. Like, no ifs, no ands, no buts. They can win the cup. And it's not a huge stretch to say Carter Hart can lock in and be that goalie that does it. You know, he's not quite there yet. And even if he were there, if he was, you know, playing the kind of hockey where, like, you're not going to get one by Carter Hart this week, that's hard to, you know, sustain for another month and a half or whatever. Well, that's the playoffs concern, are. right? Are we peaking too early? I don't think we are. Okay. Well, I, I mean, I hope you're right. What are your guys' feelings on that? Well, I, I, it's interesting because I, I actually have – coming in, I, I knew we were going we to talk some flyers, so I was – trying to come up with a couple things I wanted to to, to bounce off of you guys. And it, it, it really comes down to, to three thoughts that I've had over the last couple of days. The first thing is I'm so glad that we had that dog shit schedule in October and not <laughs> now uh, because there are some teams that would be trying to catch us or are around our same situation <coughs> Pittsburgh are, yep. are headed out, out west. And that is no matter who you are, what you're doing, what, what the situation is, you have all hockey teams that come from the, the mid-Atlantic struggle out on the way, no matter how bad those teams are, they always struggle out there. So I'm so glad that we had that issue. There, there's a certain part of me that really believes that what happened in the beginning of this season, that, that European stretch through five times and whatever, like I really do think that there was a certain amount of, even though their record may not have uh, showed it, but I think that that going through that gelled certain parts of this team and really bonded this group of guys together. They, they seem like a very tight group, and I think that that was a very important reason why you didn't see some big flashy move at the trade deadline, uh, which I think is, you know, I, I want to get your take on that, Chuck, but, and Dave, but. Well, thanks, Gene. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, I, I want to parlay that into how much I really like, and I, I listened to the first two periods of this game, mostly on the radio today, which was all of the action for the most part, but how much just listening to the radio really gives you the sense of certain guys flashing. Uh, this guy, Grant, is he really as good as it sounded he is today? And is he really uh, somebody that's going to make a big difference uh, over the next couple of weeks? So that's a lot to chew on. So go ahead. Um, well, let's, let's talk about the team cohesion before we get into Grant. You see it a lot. You see a lot with the Kevin Hayes, funny nicknames. Um, Wait, what are Kevin Hayes' funny nicknames? 
Oh, well, he does it like when they're getting on the ice, like uh, calling uh, Travis. Oh, they're Konechny. not nicknames for him. They're just he's oh, giving other people funny nicknames. Yeah. Calling Travis Konechny like Tiki Bar and okay. things yeah. like that. That's, and that's, that's funny. That is funny. And it's <laughs> there's a good there's a good relationship on this team. And I think that comes down to the the age spread on this team. You have a lot of guys with experience, not too many terribly old guys, you know, at the end of their career, but definitely a whole bunch of guys in the middle. And then a whole bunch of guys at the start of their career. And they've really gelled together. And it does seem to be a cohesive team. You well, know, I winning think, helps a lot. Yeah, it, sure. For for the longest time, I mean, for my whole life, I feel like the Flyers have tried to operate on a stars and scrubs um, philosophy where they would have or go for big names and stuff. And this team just isn't like that. That's part of the reason why this team is like a really likable team. Yeah. Um, because it's like, hey, if we band together and buy into the system and you know play the right way with max effort like it's such like a philly cliche it it really is and you talk about like stars and scrubs they all bring lunch pails yeah exactly they're like they are the brown bag crew um but look at the stars on this team and Think about how good they are versus their national rep, uh, reputation. And of course, your first thoughts go to Giroux, who is like was like number three in the 2010s. You know, that whole decade, he was like the third highest point scorer, like second highest on the power play. Giroux made a huge impact in the NHL in that decade and like a year before, maybe let's say that as well. But he made this huge impact. And I think a lot of people outside of Philadelphia and even a lot of people inside Philadelphia says, Oh, he's a good player. I mean, he's no Crosby. He's no Ovechkin. He's no Kane. And like, realistically, you can stop the list there. Well, yeah, I was going to say, if you ask someone living in, I don't know, Phoenix, name me three flyers go. I would say 50% can name none. Huh? Of the 50% remaining, like, 75% of them will definitely get Giroux. Yeah. But then after that, I don't know where it goes. Probably Hart would be number two, but yeah. I don't know. Well, they'd choose hometown boy Sean Couturier, who was... Oh, well, right. I picked the wrong city, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I hate when people bring that up. It's like, well, Couturier is American. His father was playing for the freaking Phoenix Roadrunners of the IHL at the time, and he happened to be born in Phoenix and then grew up in Canada. Like, he has no affection. Right. Um, that's funny. But, but no, that's true. And I think a lot of people consider themselves smart hockey fans if they go, you know who's a pretty good player? Claude Giroux. <laughs> you know, and we see it firsthand and go... He he has like Forsberg level talent. He should be a hockey hall of famer at this point and sentence. Um, I he think has he has everything pro- but but Stanley Cups. Uh, yeah. The other guys that you named on that list, I mean, and if Ovechkin didn't get his last year, all the other the, all, the thing that separates him from those other guys is that they have Stanley Cups. Yeah, and the way this team looks right now, 
Giroux has a real likelihood to get one over the next four years, let's say. But it's not only Giroux, it's Voracek. Voracek, it's like, I can't tell you how many people feel like Voracek was a bust. Like, we paid him too much money. Uh, He does only one thing. He's a scorer. And if you look at his stats, he has probably more assists than he does goals. He is a, you know, a a puck-carrying guy. He makes dynamic plays. Yes, that can lead to turnovers and shit, but Voracek is a is an all-star player on this Flyers team that doesn't get any respect. And first and foremost is, not Jero, Sean Couturier. Sean Couturier is uh, Patrice Bergeron. Like people say, like, oh, he's the next Patrice Bergeron. Fuck it. Next is now. He is better than Patrice Patrice Bergeron. He is the best two-way center in this league. He is a number one center, center. He distributes the puck. He drives play. Sean Couturier is an amazing player. And that's that's the old guys. We haven't gotten to the young guys yet. But those three old guys throwing Kevin Hayes as a really solid, not as good as Couturier, but a really solid two-way centerman. And that right there, you know, makes a good team. And, and the, but the difference is, is like, you know, baseball chicks dig the long ball. Well, chicks dig the goal in hockey. And like these guys top out at, I don't know, like 30 max. Yeah. And... That is true, but now we have guys to supplement that. We have TK, we have JVR, and uh, Gene, to get back on your point uh, about Grant, he is your Glenn Metropolitan type guy. Remember him? He is your Ian LaPerriere type of guy who is a bottom six player, but is a really competent bottom six player. If he's your bot, if he's in your bottom six, you have a good team. And the same with, I'm always bad with this last name, Thompson or Thomas. To me, those are the same last name and I always confuse them. But the other player we picked up at the deadline, they are just really consistent, solid bottom six guys. And this is the people you stack up on to make a playoff run. And the Flyers have all the elements to make a playoff run. And we've got Farabee coming back. Um, I think yep. I read today that he's being being recalled. Um, was, was he? He's been sent back to the Phantoms as well. Okay, so he is... came up to potentially play if Couturier was too sick to play. Oh, okay. So he has been moved out because of the the trade, right? He was he's he had he the would... availability to go back. Oh, yeah, yeah. He um, is waiver exempt, so we can send him down and bring him up as much as we like until he plays X amount of games in the NHL, which won't be this year. So he's waiver exempt this year. And they just want to get him more playing time in more crucial roles, better minutes to help recoup the you know dynamic nature of his game. He was becoming a bottom six utility player which is not his strong suit. His strong suit is being higher up in the lineup, being a more aggressive scoring forward. And he wasn't keeping pace with the NHL. So they sent him down to the AHL. We brought in these bottom six guys who are 
That's what they are. That's what they do. They play well in that role. And for all the people who bitch and moan and, you know, complain about past trauma or whatnot, this administration, the the Chuck Fletcher group and the Elaine Vigneault group shows that they bring up young guys when need be. They bring up young guys who show they're ready to come in. They put people, you know, in the lineup and Farabee goes down, then Farabee comes right back up. And Frost and Farabee will be there at the ready. Um, we probably won't need to get to Friedman on the defensive side, but Friedman will be there at the ready. This team has depth. And I was thinking about a lot today about this Rangers team that's really surged. You know, are they really good? Are they bad? What are they? And I'm like, you know what they are? They're the Flyers from the past couple years where when they've been really clicking, it's one maybe two lines but it's you have a couple of players who are really good driving the team they have a very good top line oh they do they do they have a very good top line they have a lot of good prospects but they don't have that depth and uh gene you talked about listening to the first two periods on the radio yeah. why well, listen to the third period on the radio okay um my kids were clamoring to go play hockey outside so we went and played hockey outside, and then the freaking Rangers started mounting a comeback <laughs> while I'm listening to the game and playing hockey. <laughs> but um, uh, it was Coatsy, Steve Coates, our favorite, talking about them shrinking the bench and really just trying to cycle two lines uh, with that Panarin line really driving play. And the Flyers are just a deeper team. They don't need to do that. In crunch times, not even they don't need to do that it's not the best call to do that it's interesting because Coatsy earlier in the game was making the point that with after the trade the Flyers have set them up that even when they go into special teams uh you know if they go on the on the penalty kill they are set up in such a way that they don't have to get out of their line rotations they can keep uh they can keep running their four lines and stay kind of I guess to a certain degree in rhythm so that you're you're still coming at this other team in waves uh, and and you're staying fresher longer, I think was the point he was trying to make. Um, I, I, I've, I don't remember wa- listening to or watching a game with special teams play quite like today in a <laughs> long time um, where it just seemed like also there was not a lot of even strength play in the game at all. It seems like every couple of minutes they were going on the power play. But then for both teams to be somewhat so efficient on the power play it was it's kind of a rare thing to watch but the flyers literally looked like they uh were, were never going like if they were going to go on a power play it was going to be a goal it was there was nothing that the rangers could do about it yeah every game every goal but one in that game was a special team's goal you know six power play goals one shorthanded and one even strength and yeah the rangers just had that high-end talent that they don't, you know, you don't have to worry about depth to have a good power play. That's why the Flyers had such a good power play for years. And, you know, God bless Coatsy. Like, we like to make fun of him as the <laughs> adorable drunk uncle of Flyers <laughs> fandom. But he really does come out with these chestnuts sometimes. And that's a really good one. I didn't even think about that. The The depth on their special teams allows them to position themselves for when the penalty kill is over, when the power play is over to maintain their lines. 
you know, I remember sometimes, especially in the Dave Hackstall era, where our, we went in the power play, we didn't score, and the lines were all fucked up for the rest of the period. That's because he had you his know? best players in the press box watching to learn what was happening. Yeah, that was awful. So, and I hate, real quick, my Dave Hackstall diatribe, he had some good ideas, and the way this team plays now is some glimmers of those good ideas, that really strong forecheck that by the third period has worn the other team down and it is almost unstoppable. We've seen a little bit out of that from the Dave Haxall regime, but I, I'm a Boston college fan. Um, it comes up on this podcast enough. And one of the things I hate as a Boston College fan is the University of North Dakota. So I was not a Dave Hackstall fan. And some people celebrated him as the most accomplished coach in college hockey. No, fuck that. It's Jerry York, the winningest coach in college hockey with Boston College in the Hockey Hall of Fame right now. But whatever. I was not a Hackstall fan. I tried to give him the benefit of the doubt, and I did for years. But God damn it, did he not utilize this team's talents? And they were not as deep as they are now. And I do think the culture Hextall perpetuated with, you know, I, I talked um, about the Flyers Carnival, I think it was last Sunday, and just seeing all the alumni on TV and having gone the past few years, and it's like, Oh, yeah, there's a smattering of alumni. You have to track them down. Whereas at the carnival on TV, it looked like it was overflowing. You know, it feels more like the Flyers. And the, I've rambled and I've ranted, but what was your point? The perception, the perception that I got of Hackstall was he he should just be happy to be there. He should do and agree with whatever Hackstall w- wants to do. Um, he didn't fight to win. It just seemed like he was content to play this role that he was appointed to play, which was going to be, you're the rebuild manager, you're the rebuild coach. And unless he does something to change that status quo and exceed expectations, it was never going to work. And he didn't do anything to shake it up or really try to to let the dogs off the leash. So he he's where he was predestined to land anyway as the rebuild coach, and now we have the win-now coach in effect. Yeah, and even as the rebuild coach, it was so inconsistent. We all said, well, he's a college coach. He'll be good with the young guys. And my God, did he mishandle the young guys. Like, it always seemed like freshman freaking hazing. You know, yeah, but when you're in the NHL, you're not in college. No, and you're not. Your mentality is, I'm in the NHL. Like, yeah, I, uh, I'm not a student anymore, and you know, I'm a, I'm a fucking adult now, mm-hmm. and I don't live with my mom, and I do my own laundry, maybe, and <laughs> uh, you know, it's just like stop treat. Like, when will I stop being treated like a child? And it and felt we- like that the organization wanted to keep them as children that's a really good point and that's a huge difference in the chuck fletcher lane vigno era you know yeah, we're gonna treat you like nhl players because this is an nhl team and it's a business and if you're yeah. not performing you're gonna go down or we're gonna get you fixed 
and then we're going to bring you back up and you're going to perform and, and, and we're going to win. And that's the end of it. And they, they recognize, you know, they recognize the players ages, you know, Vino is quick to talk about how young his young guys are, but it, he doesn't talk down to them. You know, he talks about Carter Hart and goes, he does all of this and he's 21 or 22 or however old the kid is. And, you know, especially the way he talks about Oscar Lindblom, he goes, look at this composure all at 23. But he treats them all like adults. He treats them all like professionals. And I really do think it it shows results. I want to say, uh, you know, I, I like bitch a lot about when Carter Hart starts and when he doesn't start and things like that. Um, but I will say that when the Eagles uh, won the Super Bowl, I bitched a, about a lot of decisions um, that Doug made that season. And I bitched a lot of this about a lot of decisions that Charlie Manuel made uh, in 2008. So it it feels like, like Vino's pushing all the right buttons. It, it does. And I love the way he manages this team. I was a fan of his Vancouver teams and they were like president trophy winning teams. They had, you know, they felt a little more like the capitals where it's, you know, they have this abundance of talent and the managing that. And they took over um, the Rangers team from Tortorella. That was very much, you know, muck it out, grind it out. But he elevated them to be a, a little more finesse. And he comes in this Flyers team. And we talk about everyone having fun, but really playing hard, really playing consistent. He's a guy that will honestly give feedback about his players in the media without like calling them out. I I trust Vigneault. I trust him. This is, I think, his fourth NHL coaching gig. Uh, the uh, two of the other three he took to the Stanley Cup final. I I feel like this could be our year. I'm I, I'm not getting ahead of myself. I'm not saying we're winning the cup, but I feel like at some point, why not us, Chuck? Well, that's it. Why that not is it. Us. I I really think it could be us. I'm starting You're a team of destiny. Well, not the team of destiny. I was with you up until you said team of destiny. But I was talking about, you know, once upon a time, you know, the the Stanley Cup window opens this year. And I, I think I said that pretty early on, but I kind of thought the window was a small opening, you know, with the bigger opening next year. And I think it, the window's wide open. It is, you know, 65 degrees and sunny and no <laughs> rain in the forecast. The window's wide open. It's been stuffy and cold in here for years. And nobody scares me on our division. We match up really well against the Capitals. The Penguins are the Penguins. It's really even hard to predict what the hell you're going to face against them. No one else in the division outside of those two remotely scares me. I think... I'm not saying it'd be easy, but I think we can go to the Eastern Conference final. And then Boston is better than Tampa. I'm putting that right up there. I think Boston is a better team than Tampa. I think we match up against Boston better than Tampa. But by the time you get to the conference final, you're a different team that started the playoffs. You know, if the Flyers go in and kick ass for two rounds, 
they're a different team than the team we watch every night. God, it's going to suck so bad to lose to the Avalanche in five in the finals. <laughs> it wouldn't be five. <laughs> I'm not saying we wouldn't lose. I'm just saying it wouldn't be five. Okay, okay. Uh, before we wrap up the Flyers, uh, tell the truth. Uh, who cried at any point this week watching the coverage of the Flyers Make-A-Wish stuff with, uh, with Blake Steigoff? Is that how you pronounce his name? I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name. And I'm your number one candidate. Like, you know, if you have to bet on anybody crying at anything, like I'm I'm your guy. I got misty. Like, I did not need to dab my eyes, but I certainly could have. But yeah, I, okay. I did not actively cry. Okay. Yeah, I'm with you. I like, uh, you know, I could squeeze one out. this this was not this was not um aaron and i my wife and i watching pixar shorts like we did last night (laughs) which even like oh fuck there's there was one it's like i think they call them the spark shorts and it was this girl with like autism in a canoe and it was like all your pixar heart but none of the humor this is Disney like, Plus stuff, by the way. For it, yes, it is Disney Plus stuff. The uninitiated, and it's heart wrenching. I was, I was a freaking mess. Like it's not as good as like Pixar because Pixar is like, oh, this is a children's cartoon. Watch this Slinky go down the stairs and think about your life and how it <laughs> fades away. <laughs> like, like, like this was a little too on the yeah. nose, a little too realism, but. Yeah. Anyway, back back to the point. Back to the point. I thought they did a really nice job with it, and it looked like um, I don't know if you see the stuff on ESPN or whatever that they do nationally. It looks like the Flyers really went above and beyond for this experience. I thought it was really good to see. I I thought it was great that they made it special. They made it different. I've seen a lot of people in the locker room. Yeah, sure. Make a wish, people from. You know, there was some poor kid who was like, like jumped and then, you know, suffered. I I don't even know what, but a, a debilitating, you know, stroke or aneurysm or something like that. They brought him in. They made him an honorary captain. And but here, this make a wish to be part of the team. They gave him the rookie skate. And yes, I just choked up by saying the rookie <laughs> skate. And they had him on ice during warm-ups, like not during the, the pregame skate. This was, you know, everyone taking their shots against, you know, Carter Hart. Like he was out there for freaking yeah, warm-ups. That's awesome. He was out there for the He got to knock conference. the pucks off. I always yes. thought that was like the best, like one of the best things you can do is like run out there knock the big pile of pucks on the ice and then just start skating around yeah for I, me I it was to get the to rookie a, skate i try to get to, i try to get the games early just to see like that moment it's just one of my favorite things to see uh, all those pucks just scatter all over the place it's insane um all right so my last okay. my last point on the flyers just yep. chuck this week is it it's tuesday night or wednesday night we have the caps game Wednesday caps, Thursday canes. So Wednesday, is that a national game? I think it is. Um, I'm I'm checking right now. So uh, w- would you say like that's appointment television for for those of us that are maybe just getting on? I'm not me, but 
anybody who's just getting on to the the Flyers vibe that are, you know, this would be a really good point to say, like, you know, this will be a playoff-type game. Because, you know, in theory, if, if things hold tight, we're one point behind for the division. We have passed the Penguins now. We have passed the Penguins. We've caught up with games and hands in the Penguins. We are currently three points behind the Capitals because well, they the Caps game at right now. Uh, the like Caps the game is over. They they won oh, against sure. the the Wild, but we match up against the Capitals well. This is going to be in D.C. Carter Hart will get the start. I imagine. I, I I'm putting money down. Carter Hart's getting the start, and. It is appointment television. You know, we talk about our, you know, friends sports chat, and I love seeing the chatter around the flyers from not the typical sus, you know, the usual suspects, the three of us, and then all of our friends chime in. But lately it's been every flyers game. It's not just the three of us. It's several people chiming in, buying in. And this game on Wednesday, fuck yeah, man. This is this is something to watch. This is this is completing uh, competing for the number one spot in the division. Whether you know if the Flyers win, you know whether they're, they'll take it or not. But this really is a statement game, a statement, a, a statement event. Yeah, where this, it's this, going to... this game could put the league on notice. So yes. you have to watch it. And yeah, and I listen to a lot of national podcasts, and they are not talking about the Flyers. And good. this isn't no one respects us, but yeah, good. You know, let the Flyers team go. No one respects us. Do, and do we want to win the division? I mean, and I mean, it, it's, it maybe sounds like a crazy question, but like, is that something that if you're in that locker room, you're looking at each other, being like, "We want to win this division." You know, is is that to them? Is that the next hurdle, or are they? Is that would just be nice, you know? Is it more just let's just go out? You know, they're going to come out every day and be like, "Oh, we just want to win," you know. But I mean, like, let's be real. We've all been, you know, in situations where you're looking ahead. At... Do you think that that locker room has its eye on the division? That they feel like that's that's a a, a, a marker they want to hit. I don't see why they wouldn't. You know, this is not. Um... Boston and Tampa fighting for the division lead in the Atlantic where you have to play a potentially better wildcard team than the Leafs in third. You know, if the Flyers take first place in the Metro, they're playing a worse team than the Capitals or the, the Penguins. And with how well the Flyers have been playing at home this year, and they've been playing really fucking well. Like, I, since some date, I want to say early January or late December, the Flyers are one of the hottest teams in the league and are the best team at home. We have an insane record at home. They want to get to a position to play as many home games as possible. So there's no disincentive to win the division. Unlike the Atlantic, where you have Boston or Tampa you know, if they win the division, they might play a better team in the Islanders or Carolina. Jesus Christ, if Carolina starts rolling, you know, they're better than they're better than the Leafs. Whereas the Metro, 
you know, below, you know, fighting for the top three, you have the Capitals and the Penguins and the Flyers. And if you can escape playing the Capitals or the Penguins and play a Islanders, a Columbus, a Carolina, the Flyers would be better off taking that, especially taking that at home. Uh, yeah, I saw I saw some article this week that uh, I mean, Gene, to your point, like, do you need to watch this game? Um, I saw some article this week that I I didn't read it because I don't I didn't read want to read that kind of crap. But it was like, should should we let people who who like haven't been paying attention to the Flyers uh, jump on the bandwagon or whatever? I mean, I mean, we covered this last week, but now that conversation is starting to come up because yes people are jumping on the bandwagon so yeah i I think a lot of people are going to be checking on this game and the the thing is is if the flyers lose this game which they totally could they could totally lose the game in washington and it would be totally fine if they did because they're still in a you know good position but it'll be like the air lets out of the balloon for that because if everyone jumps on now and wants to see a high profile matchup and then they lose, it's like, I don't know. Yeah, the worst would be, well, any loss wouldn't be good, but the worst would be a kind of boring, like, two-to-one loss, and then we go and blow the doors off Carolina the next night, like, seven-to-one, and be like, oh, this Flyers team's mediocre. I'm like, yeah, no! Yeah, the big one. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, we played a phenomenal game against the Capitals. <laughs> yeah, it was boring to watch, but, like, we played that game... You know, in a yeah. seven-game series, we win it. So, but I don't really care. I I have seen, you know, rumblings of support. I've seen a lot of Flyers former diehards who go prove it to me. Who have who have been proven? Who say that? Okay, yes, this Flyers team is legit. And for those casual fans, man, that's how you become a a diehard. Welcome aboard. More, the more the merrier. It feels like uh, the ghost of Ed Snyder has somehow been able to draw some sort of power from the Sixers and and like empower it into the Flyers locker room or something. It feels like as as one weakens, you know, as the, like giving up its life force, the other gets stronger. Like as as the, as the Sixers start to shrivel and die, the, the Flyers <laughs> seem to be like empowered as if they they are literally being rejuvenated, like like feeding off the corpse of the of the basketball team. Real <laughs> real quick, A that's the ghost of Jay Snyder, not the J- ghost of Ed Snyder. B, I can't quite tell what sort of pop culture reference this is either it's like the portrait of dorian gray which is very highbrow or it's or it's like the you know rise of skywalker (laughs) it's one of the it's a little rise of skywalker it's a little hammer christopher lee dracula films oh Mm. well that's camp horror so that's good uh so uh, until before we switch over to the decaying corpse of the of the Philadelphia 76ers uh who are going to totally make the playoffs by the way um <laughs> i, I want to workshop a new segment if you guys oh don't mind. yes please and i want to we're still working on this we're still working on this but for now the the the, the prototype name is uh, community corner so i want to talk about Sports-related things happening in small-town communities. Okay. All right. So, And this came up in my community uh, this week, and I wanted to see what your thoughts on it are. 
Some residents in my area received a notification from the township that they are to remove their portable basketball nets that are on the street uh, because they are obstructing sidewalks. Have you ever heard such a thing? No. They're obstructing (laughs) sidewalks? So I don't know what you call this. There's the curb, and then Uh there's the the grass. Yeah. Then there's the sidewalk, and then there's your lawn. So what's happening is people are putting the portable basketball hoops on the curb, and it's going over the grass, and you're getting like a six uh, six to to eight-inch overlap onto the sidewalk. Six to eight inches. Now, are these the same people that send out notifications or like like things on Facebook about how when they were kids, uh, they used to go outside and play and sit on each other's <laughs> handlebars on the on the on their bicycles? And oh my god! And so, they they knew what time to come home because the street lights came on. Um, <laughs> or their yeah, it mom. Isn't very, it is a very okay boomer uh, moment. But it's one of those things. It's like you can't have it both ways, my friends. Like you can't. You can't complain that kids sit at home and and don't uh, don't interact with the outdoors. At the same time, you want to complain because you can't walk walk your shit zoo, and uh, you know you got to walk around <laughs> so that it Sorry, can. Your pronunciation of shit zoo. Was well, like, I wanted to talk about how your where, where, shit zoo. <laughs> where it's going to poop. It is one anywhere. word, right? Yeah. But th- th- those are the kinds of things that make me absolutely bonkers. Like, you know. There's a certain amount of like the Gwen and Garth game on game off culture that I feel like needs to exist in order there for there to be any kind of life in a community. There's there should be no reason. And, and you know, I have been guilty of going out and screaming at kids in the back of my house. But I it was for good reason. They were bouncing a basketball off of my garage door. That was it. Like that was the game. Like I'm going to. The bou- thing is, Gene, you the thing is, is you told the kids like, hey, knock it off. That's my garage door. Like, go bother someone else. Right. Right. Well, I, I said, I said, why don't, why don't you get a basketball hoop? Which you're not going to believe this. They took a milk crate and hung it from a from a from the from the deck in the house behind me, and they they made their own. Like, they were that sure. inch in. Yeah, that that's, that I think is great. great. So the the letter said you have 30 days to take down this uh, this portable basketball net or incur a fine i i can't imagine that unless it was like every house in the block and if it's on every house in the block that's just inefficient but if it's like one in even seven like people can walk around you know as long as it's not blocking the entire sidewalk if it's blocking six inches out of two feet right or, or yeah, like I, preventing I mean, like, okay like I get it. Like if you're in a wheelchair, to, yeah, something like that. Exactly. You're but, not gonna be able to. But if um, it's, but like, all right, you're, what are you gonna do? You're gonna drive around the entire township and uh, get, give everyone a citation. I'll tell you, when I go for a run, I have to run off the sidewalk more often than not because of a bush or a tree yeah. branch, and it's not always a private property bush or tree branch either. It's you know park areas or or whatever so if i got one of these letters you better be sure you're going to give me a phone number on there because every time i i see something that's going to drive me off the sidewalk i'm calling your office 
and 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 must like do they really have nothing better to do they have nothing better to enforce than 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 kids playing basketball in the street that it floors me like kudos you did for living in a place that's that nice you know you can't just like move these things they're filled with 150 gallons of water or something or or you put some sort of uh, sand in them or something to weigh them down. They're impossible to move. You'd have to siphon out everything. It's a mess. Well, or or maybe they should be more proactive and maybe like look into installing like basketball courts locally that kids could enjoy. Sure. Sure. But then okay. they would have to like walk down the block and, you know, God forbid that kids you know, but you know, back in the day when I, you know, knew when the streetlights came on, it was time for me to go home and watch. Uh, I don't know whatever people watched in the seventies. Colombo. Yeah, you only I was going to say Barney Miller. They only had three channels, so it was probably uh, probably crap. Listen, I grew up with only three channels. Thank you very much. And yeah, so did I. When you say you know the UHF, I know what you're talking about. I Damn had four because I think I had PBS too. Well, yeah, no, honestly, I think I had six channels oh no sorry seven seven channels all over the bunny ears but but no i'm with you the, this is nonsense this is bullshit let kids play if it were every house in the neighborhood yeah that's ridiculous and if it were every house in the neighborhood look into putting in a community park like go hey guys we will buy your <laughs> your mobile you know, basketball nets for 200 bucks a pop, then you give us the 200 bucks back and we're going to put in a basketball court across hey, the street. That's not a bad idea. That's not a bad idea. All right. So that was the first first installment of Community Corner. Real quick, we have to retitle that. Community Corner sounds like a newsletter that shows up with no postage in my <laughs> mailbox that I'm not going to read. Community Corner. There's a coat drive. I'm like, yeah. Look, I'm happy to take... Look, I'm happy to take a suggestions for a workshopping we're workshopping there are no bad ideas in a workshop yeah we're we're rafting this that's a readjust and fine tune like that one well well la-di-da mr (laughs) corporate mentality we could we should we could just call it like everybody else is wrong and we're right okay have we uh have we put it off long enough yeah, we have put off the Sixers because I need to use the bathroom and get some wine. So, uh, well, what time? What time are we at? Because I, I don't know. We we're at fifty minutes. Them. Let's not talk about the Sixers tonight. Oh, Sixers. I'm, I'm sorry, Sixers. You've been cut for time. I mean, <laughs> Chuck, why don't you go to the bed? We'll talk about the Sixers for like five minutes. <laughs> Was that Freudian slip? Why don't you go to bed? <laughs> no, so why don't you go to the bathroom? We'll talk about the six or five minutes. Well, that's what I thought. I was planning it. Yeah, okay. So, right. uh, Sixers, Clippers. So the Sixers are, they're, they're, they're like, I can't even. <sighs> I've never watched a team literally revert back to their former ickiness. I, I don't, I mean, like, this would have been a game that during the process years you would have watched and been like, oh, that's progress. But that's because what I saw today was a Clippers team that had zero interest in playing any defense because they knew they didn't have to. Because they knew the the best player on on the the Sixers team was a guy who, although a nice player, a, an okay player, but 
not anybody who's going to make you nervous unless you play in the, they call it, I guess, the G League now. If he was a, a Delaware blue coat, he's a star. But, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to, you're not, nobody, Shake Milton is not going to scare anybody in the NBA. I mean, congratulations to Shake Milton. I mean, it was 13 threes in a row. Oh, he, had, NBA he, had a, record. he had a great game. It just, there were points of the game where he was, he, he had six feet. There was no, any semblance of defense. It was just tall guys way back with his hands. They were more afraid of fouling him than anything else. I mean, when this, if you talk about the Sixers and you, and you talk about what a Sixers team looks like without Joel Embiid, without Ben Simmons, and now without Josh Richardson, I don't know what that team looks like. That that team looks like the the rotation that I complain about Brett running out in the fourth quarter of games. But that but that's your starting lineup. I mean, now. you saw a lot of Kylo Quinn today. You saw a lot of Corkmaz today. I mean, you saw a lot of Shake Milton today, which you know, do not please do not expect this type of performance out of Shake Milton on, on a regular basis. No. Because it's not going to happen. And I think the fact of the matter is you're really looking at potentially a sixth seed for the, for the Sixers. This yeah. They're they They are falling, fading fast and they, need I would not be surprised if they go own four on this road trip. No, because and, they're on the road. They, they, they uh, Steph Curry could be back for the fourth game of this trip. And if he's back, then you can book it. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I don't know what to say. Like I've never, I, it's, I can't even, Think of a time that I've been more excited at the beginning of a season to where I am now. Especially I mean, for a team that's going to make the playoffs. Just I thought this Eagles season was pretty much the height of that. Like my excitement at the beginning of the season to where I am at the lowest point of the season. But this Sixers season is taking the cake. And the Sixers medical staff, I I, I don't even know what the what is going on? Like, how can you let Ben Simmons, I mean, how can you rush a player back like that? I, I That makes zero sense the way that they handled. It, it's beginning to make me wonder if a lot of these injuries that they keep running into are due to the fact that are, are they listening to the players more than their own medical expertise? Aren't, aren't these guys supposed to know how fast players can come back? I, I just don't see how the, these sorts of situations come up and to be and down Joel and Ben at the same time, like it is crippling. It is crippling. Yeah. And it's really hard to watch this team because everybody else who's not Joe and Ben seems totally, absolutely completely miserable. The Sixers need to move on from their rebuilding coach to their win now coach. And it's something they should have done two years ago. Um, and that's really all I want to say about the Sixers. Yeah, give Brett Brown one of those, like, not firing promotions. Like, congratulations, you are no longer coach of the team. You're vice president of the Sixers, sure. whatever the that's case fine. may be. But I'm sure he wants to coach somewhere. But Yeah, but just make sure the man is paid for all the time he put in. But, no, it's you got to do something different. The the state of the Sixers is inexcusable. You know, they're a better team when than where they are currently ranked, but they should be a better team than they are now. So, yeah. You know, promote them out of a job. Um, 
Gene, you want to put a bow on this uh, this movie tournament we got going on? Yeah, let's uh, let's wrap it up. It's we are we are in the finals, uh, and I hope that you uh, listened to our episode last week because uh, I was lazy and did not put up a special episode this week. <laughs> I will I will uh, join the semifinal and final together at some point this week and get it up uh, to kind of uh, wrap up as we enter March. Uh, craziness, because I don't want to get sued. Um, <laughs> it's March 1st, and we can crown a champion here in the month of champions. And uh, we uh, we ran this thing as uh, baseball versus the world. Uh, it really was baseball versus Rocky, in a way. Um, <laughs> and uh, here we are. I think maybe people will be surprised to find out that... Uh, Certainly not surprised that Rocky's representing one half the bracket and then the other half, the baseball half. It's being rented by, uh, represented by uh, a league of their own, which is uh, the Penny Marshall film from the. I thought Miracle put up a good 90s. showing. Miracle yeah, did really did hang in there. I mean, but you know, it, it just came down to uh, rewatchability. I think was kind of one of the major deciding factors. Um, For me, it was sentimentality, like. I love Miracle, but it's just too saccharine, too sweet to outlast Rocky. I gave this a lot of thought this week of, you know, and I'm still not 100% sure. I'm like 90% sure which of the two films I'm going to pick to win this. But I was thinking, you know, A League of Their Own, Rocky, which one screams sports movie to me? And the answer was Miracle. Like Miracle Screams sports movie to me. But I think it rightfully lost to Rocky because Rocky is telling a very similar story, but giving it more real world dramatics of uh, that whole warts and all that complex picture. So I think Miracle is a damn fine film and it gave Rocky a hell of a run. But Rocky's a really good film. Uh, well, I think that when you, when you say sports movie, I think Miracle was too too much sports, not enough movie. <laughs> um, and I rewatched uh, League of Their Own um, Saturday night. Okay. And uh, now I'm kind of annoyed that you picked League it over natural is representing us because. <laughs> not enough gut punch for me with a league of their own like i don't like have this did you hole up with a like a scotch in a dark room by yourself and no watch i watched with my kids okay actually. all and right the, did that the, have any effect on on your viewing experience did they like it <laughs> probably um but there's something so i think that there's movies that have um that reflect a I, like we are going to win at all. Like the harder our heroes try, the more they will succeed. Like, and the, the boxing lends itself to that. It's like, it doesn't really matter what the opponent does because Rocky is going to withstand every bit of punishment you're going to throw at him. And he's just going to keep coming because of his like sheer will to, to, to survive the, the match or get to the final bell or whatever. And hockey lends itself to that too. Like that, that's a sport where it's like, you know, if, if despite skill, 
sometimes if you have more will, you can overcome the skill. Um, and I don't know, like League of Their Own just seemed like really, it was. It seemed the way more cotton candy than Rocky for me. To say like it reflects this this podcast or or like it re- it's a reflection of me. I, I, I agree, but I feel it represents an element of sports very well. I feel like it and team sports. That's that's the real distinction here. It's boxing is an individual sport, whereas so many times we think of team sports and that dynamic on a team versus your opponent and a league of their own captures really something about that camaraderie and teamwork and you know what's bigger than the game and what's what's not bigger than the game whereas rocky is the story of one man with an opportunity it's you know, like many great hockey stories, like you say, Dave, you know, overcoming, you know, by your will, you overcome physical adversity, which is not present at all in a league of their own. But for me, sports or 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 however you want to put it is always about team. It's always about interaction between people and all. But which is the better movie? I mean, a league of their own doesn't really feel. It just feels like. I mean, to me, it feels like the conflict in a league of their own was more, um, like among it. it, Well, yeah, it was like man versus like themselves, or it was like the team was was fighting with itself more than it was. The opposite. They felt like the best team. Like all throughout the movie, they're the best team. Yeah. Like Gina Davis is the best player in the league. And well, see, see, that's a compelling point because she was the best player in the league. And things outside of her were drawing her down. You know, just like Rocky, you know, he has this external life that has kept him from being this great boxer. Can I ask about Bill Pullman's character in the league of their own? Now tell me this. All right. I'm just trying to wrap my head around this. I come home from war. Mm -hmm. My wife is the MVP basically of a baseball league. Correct. A wildly successful baseball league. And she is the best player in the league, the best player on the team that has just made it to the World Series of the Baseball League. On what planet am I like, yes, stop playing and on, let's just drop this whole thing? On planet 1942. Okay. Like, like oh, I love the eye roll I get. Okay. But no, it's like for a certain type of man in that age and probably by a certain type, I mean most it is you've had your fun in your little girl's league and you're done and your husband is home and he's going to take care of things. Some might find it emasculating that I was away and you've gone off to play baseball. You know, think of it that way. Like <laughs> think of it this way of, all right, I'm going off to fight the war. All right, be good, honey, come home. And now you're freaking Hank Aaron. You know, it's like, okay, 
I went away and now you're my sports idol. That that must be hard for someone of that ilk. And I'm not saying he's a complex character. I forgot that it was Bill Pullman that played him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but it's it's a larger dynamic. I just I think, think like you're out. You're you're you've been essentially risking your life killing Nazis, uh, and like. The baseball thing is going to bother you now. Uh, I don't know. Bring it up with like the greatest generation, not me. Like next time you see your grandpa, go yell at him. But I will. Like from beyond the grave. How dare you? How (laughs) dare you encourage Gina Davis to not play in the World Series? How dare you encourage Gina Davis not to do anything? With I, all that being said, I'm still voting for Rocky. I, I I'm think, just putting it out there. I think there's a certain amount of uh, that a league of their own takes on a certain amount of um, fantasy, different than the natural, in the fact that it it there is completely incapable of injecting the amount of social stigma that probably actually went on when this league was forming the amount of conversations around dinner tables when uh, teenage girls might suggest to their fathers that this is something they might want to take part in and the way that those men would probably have bristled but uh, you know there was a certain amount of we we need to inject a certain amount of that into the the movie anyway but we also are kind of you know lighthearted family fair so we don't want to upset people by having you know it, it, they were they were trying to do like vignettes and the difference being that the exact opposite way of storytelling is in rocky um rocky shows can you imagine a type of character like paulie in a league of their own like how how would a guy like that have worked and the reality is there were lots of guys like Paulie that would have been alive at, during a league of their own. They would have been the ones that were at the ballpark watching the games because they were incapable of fighting in the war because they were in such terrible shape. Um, <laughs> so, you know, can you, it's, it's, I, I think that. I mean, the Tom Hanks character is kind of Paulie-esque through yeah. like the first half of the movie. Yeah, I mean, and there's. And a, I mean, John Lovitz also just on every level. Oh. <laughs> A repugnant human being. <laughs> yeah. And I really like A League of Their Own. But, what, you know, and I think that this is probably putting the, I don't know if this is putting the rubber stamp on it, but um, I think that there is a certain amount of encoding in my DNA that is, I will love uh, Reggie White. I will love um, uh, Bobby Clark. I will love Julius Irving. And I will love Rocky Balboa. Like, there, there's just a certain amount of, like when I when you breathe the air here, like it is formed by that movie that was came out in 1977. There is Philadelphia before Rocky, where it was Benjamin Franklin, and then there's Philadelphia after Rocky. Like they are two different places. It's like rewriting the calendar. It, it, it's there. There is nothing in any other city anywhere that can give you the same type of relationship between and i'm it's it's art because that is something that you you don't you don't go to omaha nebraska and be like ah let's put on the omaha movie you know like (laughs) like 
you know, maybe maybe in, in Raleigh Durham, Bull Durham has a similar effect, but I, I just I don't think so. I don't think it probably comes close. Well, I, I think Rocky speaks more to the world than just to Philadelphia. I think it captures something we pride about ourselves. You know, one of the oddest experiences I've ever had traveling was going to Brussels and going, oh, this is Europe's Philadelphia. I freaking love Brussels. Everyone was kind of nice and kind of mean. You know, <laughs> they had a bit of a chip on their shoulder. They're very welcoming. If you appreciate them for being, you know, Brussels, as opposed to going, oh, you're kind of like Germany, you're kind of like France, or or, or whatever the case may be, they really did seem to appreciate you in Brussels. And I was like, oh, yes, we get that. We get that of, you know, we have a lot to offer in our own right and not to be overlooked. And I think Rocky speaks to speaks to anyone who feels like they didn't get their shot, who anyone who thought they could do better than what they do day in, day out. And it gives an ordinary person a chance. And again, I'm voting for Rocky. But back to a league of their own. So we're talking about 1940s sexism. We have to think about 1990s sexism as well. And like, I'm not painting with a broad brush, but think about when the WNBA started. The WNBA was a joke. And I'm not saying that objectively. I'm saying it very subjectively. In public cult, you know, the public mindset, the WNBA was a novelty. Women's sports were, oh, it's nice they get to play too. Whereas fast forward to now, look at the Women's World Cup. Look at the way people react to the U.S. women's national soccer team. Listen to, look at the way they react to the U.S. women's hockey team when they won gold. People are buying in. They're not treating it as girls' sports, something lesser. They're treating it as sports. And I think that's the message of a league of their own that gets a little bit lost to time. The fact that, oh, these are women competing in sports and that someone would take it seriously is a bit of a novelty. Whereas now we really do. We really do. Like, think of Megan Rapino, you know, the, posing well, the, there. See, okay. So. The- <laughs> Uh, <laughs> this is gonna take this is like a this is like its own podcast if you want to talk about this stuff but a lot of the reason that the women's the women's u.s national team is so successful is because the men's u.s national team is basically dog shit well, i mean it, it leaves a window it, 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 there's a void that believe me I, I get it. They're wildly successful, and that has a lot to do with it too. But if the men were World Cup contenders, it, it, I think it would be different. And it might be, but let's look back to the movie. The men were off at war. They didn't have that alternative, and the women filled right. in, and then people really watched it and treated it like legitimate sport, which – in the 90s felt like a novelty of going like, yeah, you, you could, but you wouldn't. 
And in the 40s, you basically didn't have the NFL. Yeah. You basically didn't have the NBA. Yep. And you didn't have hockey either. Yeah, four four cities in the nation had hockey at that time. So, I mean, that was the only game. Baseball is the only game in town, and it was gone. So yeah. I, I do I do I I think that there is believability in it in that sense. Yeah, no, and and we're all agreeing here. It just for me for me it's more important than Rocky, but the cultural footprint is bigger in Rocky. The quality of film is better in Rocky. The storytelling is better in Rocky. Rocky wins out over a league of their own, but I really feel like it's like a 1A and a 1B, or Rocky is the champion. A league of their own gets, you know, a lifetime achievement award. I don't know, but. Uh, so Rocky, but is it Rocky is Rocky, and a league of their own is Taxi Driver. I don't, I, I don't know what to tell you, <laughs> or Network, or whatever, whatever the hell else was nominated that year. Chuck, are you voting for Rocky? I'm voting for Rocky. Gene, are you voting for Rocky? I am. All right, I was going to vote a league of their own, but okay, I guess Rocky wins. <laughs> Let's go to Chuck's penalty box. I just like snarfed all over the place here. Give me a moment. All right, Dave and a league of their own. Who is in your penalty box this evening? All right. I am putting Jessica from Love is Blind in my penalty box. Go on. Have any of you started watching this show, Love is Blind, on Netflix? No, I have not. But now I want to. Okay. Well, the premise of the show is uh, people basically date um, for a period of time without seeing the other person. Uh, and they talk to a bunch of people without being able to see any of them. And then they all propose to each other uh, and get engaged. And this is not about anything actually pertaining to the show. But Jessica, in one scene, is drinking a glass of wine mm-hmm. and um, just puts it down and lets her dog take a few laps of wine out of her wine glass Ew. while saying she loves wine. Gene, do you have dogs? No. Or have you ever had dogs? Mm, no. My parents Chuck? were allergic. Uh, I had a dog growing up. Okay, you had a dog growing up. If I told you two things that your dog is never, ever, ever allowed to eat, number one you would say is... Chocolate. Chocolate. Number two... Alcohol? Uh, no, I was going to say grapes. Grapes. Oh, grapes I'm... are seriously poisonous to dogs. Oh fuck! Like I go to the, like the park and like feed grapes to dogs, like peel a few bread to ducks. That's a lie. You do not do that. <laughs> I do not do that. No. <laughs> For the uninitiated, wine is made from grapes. Do not give your dog wine. <laughs> Besides the fact that it's grapes, it's alcohol, and a dog's like body isn't made to. Uh, uh, digest alcohol. So for that reason, I'm putting Jessica from Love is Blind. You're going in the penalty box. All right, Jessica from Love is Blind. Now your dog is blind. You're getting 10 minutes for animal cruelty, 10-minute game misconduct for animal cruelty. All right, Gene, who is in your penalty box this week? Well, I feel like this is going to be less interesting than that, but uh, I'm going to roll with it anyway. I'm going to put Glenn, 
let me make sure I get it, get get the whole thing right. Glenn, is he is he Big Dog Junior the the Robinson the third? Is that is he is he a is he a, or maybe he's Big Dog the third? He is a descendant of the Big Dog. He's a, <laughs> he is a puppy of the Big Dog. Um, he uh, he was complaining uh, basically this weekend that he, he was not he was not explained his role on the team very well, and. Uh, here is why I'm putting Glenn in for two minutes and only two minutes because we probably need him because somebody's going to play basketball. Um, so at what point do we need like as professional athletes to not feel like we need to be, uh, have our role explained to us? Um, I- I'm fairly sure when he showed up and they handed him a Jersey, like he, he, he had some semblance of an idea of like what his, what his position was, you know, you've only been here, what, two weeks, maybe give it a, a little time before you go running to some reporter and say, nobody explained to me my role. When J- Brett Brown was asked about it, he said, that's not true. Of course, we told him his Brown, his role. I think what, what Glenn Robinson meant to say is, I don't like my role on the team. I don't like that I am a role player. And Hey, bro, it's not like you were signed. It's not like you signed a free agent contract. Like, you were traded. You, you want to get a contract next year because your contract's up. You should probably just do your job, man. Like, I don't know. I, I'm when, when teams start to crater like this and start to lose like this, the last thing I want is the guys that just show up that have been here for 15 minutes to start coming out and being like, I don't know my role. I don't know what I'm doing. Just can you at least wait 20, you know, a, a couple weeks before you start bad mouthing everyone. Like I, we get that enough from people what we've been following for years. We don't need these new guys showing me doing it. it. Happened with the Eagles last year, but that was former Cowboys. So they, they're garbage humans anyway. So for that, Glenn, have a seat, but, we're going to need you back in a few minutes, so, you know, hopefully you can think quick about what you've done. All right, so Gene doles out the penalty. That's a bit uh, <laughs> atypical on this. So, Glenn, some sort of dog and some sort of hierarchy Robinson gets two minutes um, because he did not understand the job description. Indeed, clearly said that you'd be half having to lift up to 50 pounds on a regular basis. So, uh, Glenn, read the job description better before accepting the application. You're in the penalty box. Your role is to make a fucking three-pointer every once in a goddamn while. So you haven't done that since you've been here, Saw Mitch. Chuck, who's in your penalty box? Oh, I'm looking at a, le- uh, a list I've compiled over the last few weeks. I'm trying to determine which of these I'm going to pick. I am going to pick Toy Story 4. Toy Dog Story shit, 4, man. if you haven't seen it, is a fine enough movie. Dog shit. Dog shit? Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. It, it's fine enough. Sure. Now, um... Uh, Jordan Peele and uh, oh Lord, I'm forgetting his co-star uh, Key. And so Key and Peele are in it, and that that's fine enough. And Little Bo Peep is back, and whatever. It's a gorgeous looking movie. It's a fine way to spend two hours. But 
The first three Toy Story films told a very distinct, you know, story about one's life. It is the cycle from adolescence to adulthood to old age. Toy Story trilogy is about growing up and dying. Toy Story 4 is about wanting more money. <laughs> it is it does not need to exist. It is fine. In a vacuum, it is fine. But you made three films that speak to the human condition far beyond that of any cartoon. I always compare King Lear to Toy Story 3. I meant that the other way around. I compare Toy Story 3 to King Lear. But... Shakespeare didn't get his inspiration from Pixar films. He well, he did, but now he doesn't want to associate himself <laughs> with John Lasseter. It's understandable. But Toy Story 4 has no reason to exist. It's fine. Your kids will enjoy it. You'll probably laugh once or twice, but Toy Story 4 has no reason to exist. Just stop watching after the first 3. Toy Story 4, you're going into the penalty box for Eight minutes, that's four minors because, I don't know, go away. And also, Claws should have won the Oscar for Best Animated Picture this year. Just saying. Check it out on Netflix, even though it's not Christmas time right now. And then check out the behind the scenes. The thing they do with 2D animation and... The shadow technology usually reserved for 3D animation is amazing in Claws. Oh, I'll check that out. Yeah, that's what gives it that unique look. That's cool. That's cool. All right, well, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, If you haven't done so already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Drop us a uh, uh, a, a segment name for the, uh, the community corner. (laughs) <laughs> if you uh, if you come up with one, uh, we'll be back uh, next Monday um, talking about first place flyers. Hopefully the Sixers get back on track and win a road game. And uh, maybe we'll have some news from uh, Philly spring training. Uh, so until then, have a great day at work, everybody. We are out of here. Yeah.